Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Fatanas Defense, Masters of Darkness. Fatanas Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles, built around the Fatana 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Patanus Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also brought to you by First South Farm Credit. First South can help you finance or refinance that perfect piece of land. To find out how First South can help you, visit their website at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800 955 1722. They are an equal housing lender. I'm your host, Joe Bayer, here today with my co host, Butch Theory. Butch, what's the longest shot you've ever taken on a game in? Ooh, man, that's a great question. I would say probably about 400 yards, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Did you hit it? Yeah. Uh, actually, I think you were there. I think it was a. Uh, Turned out to be an antlerless buck, unfortunately. Had some little knobs. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, I remember that. He was running, actually. Yeah. He was running, and I folded him up at right under 400 yards. I do remember that. Yeah, I didn't realize yeah. that was your longest shot. That was, I think uh, so, man. I can't think of any uh, any other one that would have been further. Yeah. That was one of those ones. I'm, I'm not going to call you out, but I'm just going to say that there may have been an element of luck involved in that. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's still pretty cool, though. Yeah, it was, man. And and I, I haven't taken a shot that far on an animal. I think uh, my personal best longest shot's about 315 yards or so. And that was a long shot for me. Yeah, it's far. I hit the deer, killed the deer. I didn't hit it exactly where I wanted to hit it though. And and I've done I've done a long range shooting school. I have I have shot out to a thousand yards with my wife. It was very eye opening in terms of what you what is possible in terms of shooting, but when you get into hunting, that really changes your long range and your effective range. And, you well, know, if so it doesn't, it should, because I mean, yeah. shooting something is totally different than, than killing something. I promise you, I, I do not get my adrenaline does not pump when I'm shooting at a piece of steel or no. paper target, but every so many time factors go into it. Animal, heart's thumping so yeah. uh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to today's show we're going to be talking with brian harrington he's with best of the west we're going to really be getting into long range hunting for beginners what that means for you and how you can start to extend your distance wherever that distance may be what you need to expect to be able to do and what you should expect to do to really be able to extend your hunting distances. And to do that this week, we are talking with Brian Harrington of Best of the West. Brian, thanks for joining us, man. Tell us a little bit about Best of the West, what you do there and you know everything you guys do. Thank you guys. So Brian Harrington, National Sales and Marketing Director, National Director of Sales and Marketing, I guess, for Best of the West Holdings. Best of the West Holdings recently went through an ownership change in uh, uh, fourth quarter of last calendar year. We have two brands, both Best of the West Arms and Huskama Optics. 
So you guys are doing some for sure long range shooting, long range hunting to, to open up this conversation, you know, Butch and I both hunt predominantly in Alabama. We have most of our lives. I've done a little bit of Western hunting myself, but that's predominantly been with archery tackle. When you talk to a guy from Alabama and you start, start talking about a long range shot, and then you go to talk to a guy from Wyoming and talk about a long range shot. I think you're going to get two different answers on what exactly long range is. So in, oh, yeah. in your mind, Brian, what is long range? Excellent question. Best of the West, if I could back up just one second, best of the West, we consider ourselves the pioneer of long range hunting. So with that in mind, uh, we also are quick to say, or I'm quick to say, the long range is very individualistic. What is your ability, to, your a maximum effective range? And then that's a starting point. Doesn't have to, you don't have to stay at that starting point. In fact, we encourage and we, we like to think of ourselves as instructors and folks that equip people to extend their long range. So uh, we measure everything in minute of angle, or, or that's a baseline of where we start with minute of angle. And what that means is uh, a three-shot group, uh, one one inch at 100 yards. And so at 300 yards, that'd be three shots. So can you hold your group in inside three inches at 300 yards? And the long range, uh, one way to measure your maximum ability is once you're outside that, you're past your effective range. Gotcha. I would assume this is one of those things too, like you're talking about, you kind of grow. Um, we talk about all the time in fishing and hunting where you kind of start at a base level, you know, your long range to you with, with the 270 Weatherby that I'm shooting with the scope might be 300 yards by now, but I would assume there are some things that you can do, you know, optics, barrels, tweak your weapon where you can stretch out those distances like you're talking about. It'll be a kind of a progression. Absolutely. The equipment that we provide is, is uh, very good. We, we feel it's uh, on the verge of being custom. And, and so therefore it is, it will match your ability. If your ability is to shoot a hundred yards, you know, you're well within that. If your ability is to shoot uh, a, a plus a thousand yards, again, uh, our equipment's going to match up with that very well. But, but to your point, Butch, it, it's also, it's not this or that it's and this and that, and this other thing. So uh, skill, practice, equipment, conditions, uh, the animal that you're chasing, all yeah. of those are variables that have so, to be considered. So Brian, when I start thinking about long range hunting, and I'm, I'm talking about long range hunting, not long range shooting, because if you start shooting at a piece of steel, that's a whole different, in my mind, uh, oh, has yeah. a whole different set of ethics than if you're shooting at a live animal, a game animal. So when we're talking about long range hunting, what, what is possible? And then how do you sort out the ethics behind shooting for accuracy? Actually taking game at that distance. You're right. While you're hunting, because uh, yeah, you can take a long range, you can take a thousand yard shot, whether you should or not for <laughs> is another story. So what, what's really possible? Where are the limits being pushed right now? Uh, again, um, you're asking basic questions and there's not a uh, off the shelf answer in my mind is what are people uh, extended their maximum distance to? It comes from experiential knowledge. What distance can you repeat a precision accurate shot? So, so that's one, you have to be able to repeat it with high degree of confidence. I know I'm going to be able to hit this size target at 
this distance. And then uh, another, another uh, point we like to say is uh, we typically use a thousand foot pounds of energy for a deer sized uh, animal and a 1200 foot pounds of energy for an elk or moose size animal. So what that means is when that bullet, uh, again, we're using very high end uh, repeatable ammo, we custom uh, manufacture our ammo, but, and there are some good, um, very good manufacturers out there such as Hornady uh, making repeatable uh, high end ammo. But um, what I'm trying to say is at where is that distance that your ammo, your caliber uh, runs out of foot pounds or goes below a thousand pounds for a deer sized game or 1200 pounds for elk. So when we're asked, well, what is long range? Well, what caliber are you using? How often do you practice? What are the conditions? What is the size of the animal that you're using? What's the target size of that animal? I like what you said. I mean, you got a medium sized game. You want a thousand foot pounds of energy. That's ethical in your mind is that you want to bring a thousand foot pounds of, of energy, you know, at impact that's ethical 1200 pounds for large game. You know, like you said, moose elk size game. So if I'm wanting to shoot a deer, I, I've got to make sure that. I think uh, that gives you a benchmark to be yeah. able to make. So I whatever think that's, caliber I'm shooting, that's right. I'm bringing a thousand foot pounds when I make impact. Now from there, that's the, that's the capability of the, the weapon, right. And, and the, the combination, but from there now ethics be, gets put back on the hunter. Are you capable if you're shooting at an eight inch target and you know, yeah. you're capable of shooting minute of angle, then that means that at 800 yards, you should be able to hit an eight inch target every single time. So your ethics at that point may say, Hey, I feel comfortable taking an 800 yard shot because I can hit that every single time. But another person may say, look, I'm, when I go out there and I shoot at a hundred yards, I'm a, I get a two inch group. Well, <laughs> if you've got a two inch group at a hundred yards, well, at 800, you're going to be a 16 inch group. It's not ethical for you to take that shot. Am I understanding you correctly there? Yes, sir. So by that math, then we'd say your maximum uh, range is 400 yards. Right. Correct. Yeah. Speaking of that a little bit, you know, on, on that, uh, the medium size game, we want a thousand foot pounds of energy. What's a good rule of thumb to use uh, when it comes to the, the target size? I mean, like if we're wanting to uh, shoot at steel, right? Well, when I shoot at steel, my, I'm, my adrenaline's not pumping. I mm -hmm. usually have set up my rest just perfectly. It's probably perfect conditions. Yeah. The conditions are probably in my control. At least I choose the days that I go shoot. Whereas if, if I've got a, a really nice white tail standing out there at 400 yards and my heart's pumping and the wind's blowing 15 miles an hour across wind, I can't control all those things. So, you know, when you start to think about a medium sized game, what is that target size? Do you want to shrink down from the actual impact zone on the animal if it's if you've got an eight inch impact area do you want to shrink it down to account for say your inefficiencies in the field maybe you don't have a solid rest maybe your adrenaline's cranking maybe that you've got that crosswind how do you account for those things again all really really good questions and i struggle in saying you if the wind is over 10 miles an hour you should go from eight on a deer size or 20 on a big bull elk down to 10 or four respectively. So let's, let's look at it 
maybe we can reverse engineer this and say, talk about the gear that I have or that I know that I'm going to have. I'm going to have a rangefinder, so I know what the distance is. I'm going to have a wind meter, so I do know what the wind is. I'm going to study, is this a full value wind or a quartering wind or uh, am I into it or behind it? What is the mirage doing at that distance? Both what is the wind at, at where I'm at? mid-range and at where the target is. I'm going to have either a tripod or a bipod on the rifle or a, a bag a pack to support the entire rifle. I'm going to have a backrest under, under the back end of my rifle. All of those are going, and then again, going back to measuring the wind, all of these variables are under my control if I practice with them and go to the field with them. So instead of saying, well, with a 15 mile an hour wind, I have to reduce my distance because my target is gonna shrink. Instead, we are teaching folks and trying to empower folks to control all of those variables identify them and then learn how to control them. And being in control of them is also knowing when not to take a shot too, right? I mean, you, you knowing your limitations is a big part of this. I, having taken some shots myself and having had uh, my wife take some shots at, at a shoot long range shooting school where we've shot out to a thousand yards, I think, you know, the equipment is more than capable. Uh, that is what I saw. I mean, the rifles, the ammunition, the scopes, the uh, laser rangefinders is more than adequate to take those kind of shots. Where I saw the biggest limiting factor in my own armor, so to speak, is in reading and calling the wind. I mean, we had somebody calling the wind for us and I couldn't have done it. You know, it was easy with them telling us where we needed to hold. It would be hard for me to do it on my own and it would take a lot of practice. So what do we need to be prepared for in terms of practice to extend our longest range and still be ethical? If, if somebody says, look, I'm MOA at 300 yards. I want to get MOA at 500. Do they need to go to school for this? Is there instruction they need to get involved in? How often do they need to be willing to practice? What are the, the guys who are doing this do? Yeah. Again, all questions. And if I can just speak briefly on that shooter spotter relationship that I heard you mention in your mm -hmm. example, you know, how important is it to have someone as the spotter helping the shooter uh, identify the target, identify the wind, identify the range. Getting back to the schools, we do offer uh, shooting schools, best of the West shooting schools, and that is a key component that we focus on in those events or the shooting schools is uh, how to interact, uh, shooter ready, spotter ready, send it scenario. But um, just started with the bare bones of practice. I like to, if it's been a while since I've been in the range, I often take a 22 uh, bolt action rifle and put the target really, really close. Uh, that does several things. It, it helps my confidence and uh, reacquaints me with the trigger pull that squeezing that trigger, uh, it all starts right there. And, and then also it helps with the form and the bag. And I don't want to say reintroduction, but we're never too good to always start with the fundamentals. Yep, exactly right. And one thing that sticks out in my mind is, Joe, whenever we interviewed, I believe it was Chuck Ruback, the former Navy SEAL. He was, I mean, he said it multiple, multiple times in his interview, wear your kit, wear exactly what you're going to be wearing in the field whenever you start those basic, you know, whenever you go back to the 22, start from the very beginning, put on the boots you're going to be wearing, put on the hat you're going to be wearing, put on the your whole hunting kit and make sure the variables that you can predict and that you can prepare for are the same every single time. 
Uh, and two and shooting from field positions, like, uh, Correct. very common for us to go to the, go to the range and get on a bench and you got your sandbags and you've got all this kind of, you know, everything there. Yeah. But then when you're out in the That's field, not field realistic, maybe yeah. you're propped up on a, a shooting house window or fence or tree or having to shoot prone, not so much prone, uh, really <laughs> in the South. Uh, no. we, we've got too much flat ground to do much prone shooting, but, uh, yeah, I mean, practicing your positions and, and those kind of things I would imagine is, is a big part of this too, Brian. I mean, you know, is that part of what you would do in a shooting school and part of what you do, you know, day to day is not just always taking the bench rest shot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you used to have a football coach that would, would constantly hammer home practice like you play. What you do in practice is going to show up on the field. So uh, advice resonates with me. Uh, it's screaming at me. So, uh, yeah, I'm chuckling at uh, Alabama being as flat. Yeah, we're going to practice prone uh, in flat, swampy ground, right? Yeah, yeah it's um, always wet, too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was at a shooting school not too long ago where there was an individual that had some impairments. And everybody else is prone on the ground. We're shooting a thousand yards. We're hitting the plate. And this gentleman uh, was not going to get down. And then if he did get down, he may not have gotten up. Uh, bless his heart. So the instructors put him in a chair, took a tripod, and taught him how to use that tripod and the armrest of his chair to shoot a thousand yards. Uh, and he was brilliant once he had his setup. And that's something that you can take to the field. And that's, as I heard earlier, uh, we can't all carry a bench on our back with mm, our shooting bags. Right. And so when I was, uh, I used to hunt with my daughter uh, when she was younger and I would preach and preach and preach. We have to have three points of contact before we pull that trigger and to the point where uh, it became a joke in her school. Uh, she just blurted out three points of contact. That yeah. says three points of contact. Guys, let's take a quick break and hear from this week's sponsors, Alabama Farmers Co-op. From backyard gardening to large-scale farming and everything in between, your local co-op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high-quality products and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. And also brought to you by Boaters List. Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes this easy and easy to find the service you are looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts all the way down to paddle boards and all things in between. BoatersList.com will always strive to make it better on the water. Brian, say you are practicing these positions and you're, you're getting yourself ready. You've got your kit, you've got your setup that you're going to hunt with. You know, how do you know when you're ready? Going back to what we hit on a little bit earlier, I always was like with archery tackle, I'm going to practice a lot farther than I'm going to shoot. Because if I can go out there and sling an arrow at a hundred yards and, and hit an eight inch pie plate on a target at a hundred yards over and over and over and over again. When I drop back down to a 50 yard target, it's as big as a barn door. You know I mean? It's, yeah. it's just so easy. Does the same kind of thought process apply when you are getting into shooting a rifle? I mean, for guys that are going to take, they say, Hey, I want to take a 600 yard shot in the field. 
are they practicing out to 1200 or a thousand to be able to feel really confident at 600? Absolutely. Yeah. I believe that same process translates to anything we do. If we've said, here's my limit, I'm practicing beyond that. If here's my limit in the game or on the field, I'm going to practice beyond that. Because how much of this is all about what's between our ears and being confident? Right. I think it's, again, it's an individual decision that we have to make to, to be ethical and make that commitment. Here's my effective range. I've tested and practiced. I'm going to carry this forward. And it's not, you know, there's, we see these discussions uh, in, in these forums of, well, that's not hunting. That's just, that's just shooting. Well, okay, that's fine. But I don't believe it's either or. We don't believe it's either or. Either you get to 100 yards or 200 yards or you don't take the shot. Let's be the best hunters we can and also be the most accurate hunters we can. Is there a practical rule of thumb, though, for your practice range versus your hunting range? I mean, obviously, you said you want that that most repeatable. You want to be able to be, you know, say, uh, inside that animal's vital zone and, and be able to do it every time. But, you know, like we we're saying, if you want to shoot 500, should you practice to 1,000 or 750? Or I mean, is, is it work like that? Yeah, let's, um, if, if I'm understanding uh, correctly, uh, Joe, let's look at the guy. Uh, I used to hunt with a guy that lived in the cities and his maximum range was 100 yards. And so he's really good at a, on paper at 100 yards in a, a, a almost completely controlled environment. And then we'd go out to uh, central Wyoming and, well, the world is, you know, how big is the world? Right, expansive, as far as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, concrete uh, land. And so we we plan to get out there a day ahead of time just so he can practice at uh, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred yards. Never with the intention of shooting at a, at a game animal that far. There's a big difference between 100 yards at the range in downtown uh, Minneapolis or inside the city limits of Minneapolis and 700 yards out in central Wyoming. Sure. Yeah. Well, so you guys both alluded to it a little bit a minute ago. I think Joe mentioned a laser range finder and Mr. Brian, you were talking about a wind meter as far as like a, you know, a kit goes for shooting. What are some, uh, what's a, what's kind of a gear check bag um, that we need to make these accurate long shots at game animal. Okay. So we, we have to have glass. We have to have really, really good glass, whether that be in a binocular or a spotting scope, we got to see what we're going after. Uh, as one guy said to me um, one time, he goes, the biggest separation between good hunters and great hunters is the quality of glass and how often they spend and how much time they spend behind it. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, having hunted out West quite a little bit, it's always quick to identify those that have, and those maybe have not spent time out there because those that have first thing they do is get their binoculars up to their eyeballs or their spotting scope out. So, um, uh, it, really, really important. And then uh, the range finder, we mentioned the range finder with uh, the ability to measure angles, uh, a wind meter. So all of that has to be really close. My binoculars on my chest, range finders easy in a pocket somewhere, range find, uh, the, excuse me, the wind meters in the other pocket. So then uh, I have a quality, uh, well-built rifle with a caliber that's capable of what I'm going after. Um, I either have a tripod that I'm going to rest the front of the rifle on or a bag, my backpack or a bipod on the rifle. 
And a lot of people will talk, will be all of this or all that. I'm going to suggest, or we're going to suggest, just practice with what you're going to use. And then another thing to consider that many people don't necessarily consider is rear of the rifle rest, a small bag or something, uh, a coat, a balled up coat, something to rest the back end of their rifle on. So it doesn't have to be necessarily their muscle that is um, resting the rear end of the rifle. You got to have good ammo. You got to have really good ammo. Don't be cheap on your ammo. So binoculars, rangefinder, wind meter, bipod or tripod, rear bag, uh, rest, good rifle, good ammo and a good scope. I, I forgot to mention the scope. Got to have a great scope. You know, it used to be rule of thumb. Uh, if you spent a dollar on your rifle, you got to spend an equal dollar on your scope. And um, as good as the rifles are today, and as, as quality as the ammo they're being built today, it's nothing to see people spending $2 on their scope and $1 on their rifle. Because again, you can't hit what you can't see. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the things I noticed as taking going through a long range shooting school myself and seeing that the quality of the components, when you start stretching out past, you know, I'm going to I'm going to say 300 yards, you know, most of your big game off the shelf rifles are capable of making a killing shot out to say 275 to 325 yards in that range. But once you start stepping out past that the little things start to make a big difference Mm -hmm. um, in the quality of the components that you are using and, and also the wear and tear that you put on them when you start shooting a lot more. Um, I, I, I would agree with that totally, you know, going back to discussion of gear, I'm going to ask you something and I'm going to pin you down on this just because it's fun. And this is a hotly contested heated debate, but if you were going to grab one caliber to hunt, long range. Is there a caliber you've got in mind? I know it could change based on elk versus deer and pronghorn, this, that, or the other, but is there a caliber you could pick for somebody where you'd say, this one will do it. And I really like this caliber. Yeah. Are you going to drive a Chevy or are you going to drive a Ford? <laughs> right. Basically. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I really like and, and go to without hesitation, Anything in the lower uh, 48s, a 300 uh, Winchester Short Magnum. And if you ask me why, I have an interesting answer. Because you can get it in a shorter barrel. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested by you saying that because as a person who's in the midst of, of shooting suppressed a lot more, I have really enjoyed shooting suppressed. And But what I don't enjoy about it is strapping a suppressor to an already long barrel. So... Talking about those shorter barrels, what's a good hunting barrel length in that Winchester short magnum? Are you able to get down into the, you know, 308 style, you know, 18 inch barrels short as you can go or, you know, what, what's possible there? And why do you say that? Is it, is it a suppressor thing or is it just an ease of, of hunting thing? I mean, why do you like that shorter barrel? Just it's easier to carry mm-hmm. at the end of a long day. You're not always fighting that rifle falling back on your shoulder or, or you know, becoming horizontal. If you're in the timber, it's easier to to move maneuver that around. And I guess that's from just experience. Uh, having that 26 inch barrel, I found that I was fighting the gun more than I was fighting the elements hmm. or or the uh, elevation uh, right. out west. To answer your question on how short you can get it, it's it's like one of the guys back in the factories. He goes, "Whatever's legal, just if that's what you want, cut it off and find out if it's still accurate." And uh, what your downrange velocity is. 
Mm-hmm. If you don't like it and it doesn't fit, uh, it's not going to be a good relationship out in the field. Right. That's cool. I know. And, and, you know, it's funny you talk about the differences between the West and the Southeast. I mean, a lot of time, a lot of guys hunt in blinds and a long barreled rifle is not a lot yeah. of fun, you know, yeah. in a blind. And then like, say you put a suppressor on top of that, that 300, you know, that 30 caliber bullet, do you just, do you like that better? Uh, just more frontal area. I mean, heavier bullets. I mean, what, what about that one versus say, you know, stepping down has just tried and true for you? Yeah, right. Uh, really, really good questions. And what a can of worms you're right. <laughs> uh, that you're asking me to open. I love it. So this is a little bit old school. Again, we have such good ammo being produced today and good bullets, good, strong bullets. And there's never in my lifetime has there been this much availability or choice in good quality ammo. So I learned, um, yeah, the 30 caliber is the go-to the sectional density uh, of the 30 caliber is so much greater that uh, why would you do anything else? But you talk to the folks that maybe didn't go to the old school of doing things and they're saying, now oh, give me a 6.5 PRC, give me a 7 and, and it's all about, okay, why can't a 6.5 PRC compared to perhaps a 300 PRC? Well, because of the ballistic coefficient of that bullet, it's very low drag. The, the design of it uh, and the quality uh, that, and care that goes into manufacturing that bullet is so much greater than it used to be. It's, it's more of an um, esoteric conversation. Yeah. And from talking to people that have, have hunted these distances, I mean, what I hear them say really is bulls back down to what you said. It's in between their ears. They're confident mm-hmm. in their setup and confidence is huge. Whether you're choosing the 300 Winchester short mag or the 6.5 PRC or whatever new wildcats come out. I mean, <laughs> you know, if, if you can put a bullet in the vitals of just about any big game animal, uh, with the amount of terminal velocity you're talking about foot pounds of pressure you know I mean, if you can put it where it needs to be you're going to kill that animal and you're going to kill it cleanly and so many times I, I see it in my own you know desires i'm like well if i get a bigger gun you know does that allow me to shoot further but really it just boils back down to being accurate practice 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 you know i i think that that's the biggest thing that i hear people talk about i want to shoot further they want to shoot further and they think they can go by shooting further but right no i mean can you though i mean it really boils down to practice right does absolutely so a a couple other things that i've found over the years that have benefited me really well and i forget who taught me all of this but okay so practice getting back on the target after you squeeze the trigger see where your point of impact is and obviously that uh, is relatable to the recoil of the gun and then also the distance to the target if if I can actually do that. And then the second thing is learn to listen for the feedback. What sound comes back after I pull the trigger, especially on a game animal. All of that helps you become a more ethical, I believe a more ethical hunter. What about the grain of a bullet? Kind of walk me through your thought process whenever you're shooting your 300 or really what whatever caliber you're picking up as far as long range. What was your thought process on picking a grain? Yeah. How heavy a bullet? Correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. Again, I appreciate this can of worms that you guys are putting in front of me. <laughs> so everything's a compromise, especially in, a, in our hunting and our shooting. So the heavier, the greater the energy, the lower, the flatter it is. 
So what am I going after? Oh, uh, what caliber am I using? And what kind, what type of bullet? What's the bullet construction? I, I think is more important than the weight. So I'm going to get the heaviest and then also choosing a caliber that has a lot of choices. So for example, uh, one of my well. favorite calibers is a 270 and that's somewhat limited on caliber, uh, excuse me, weight of the bullet. But, you know, let's look at the 30 out six. How many different offerings are there to that? Uh, so in the 300, let's go back to the 300 uh, uh, short mag. I typically shoot 165 grain bullet. I know they have bigger ones and I know next person we talk to will tell me, well, that's too light. That's too right. small. Okay. Well, but you found that's a sweet spot to get, to get you a little bit on both sides. I, I really like a flat, fast, as big and as flat as it can be. I like it. I think that's the sweet, sweet spot. Great question. And it's so individualistic. It's, it's funny how you, you know, but you talk about these things and, it, you know, whenever we create a podcast, the goal with these podcasts is not really to say, go do this, go do that. You know, step one, step two, step three is to say, look, you're an individual. You've got an individual set of goals. You need to be able to understand how to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And as an example of that, I had a friend of mine got invited out on an elk hunt out west he said man i don't have a really light rifle i've got this big heavy rifle i use it down here deer hunting and you got a light rifle like well sure here take my 270 you know mm -hmm. and we loaded it up with some 130 grain solid copper bullets you know and he killed an elk at 400 some odd yards and killed it cleanly with one shot and just did a great job he showed me the impacts and everything and performed flawlessly i mean you couldn't have asked for any better i brought that gun back and shot some whitetails with it uh, with the same bullet, same exact bullet and everything. And at closer distances, I was getting less performance on the animal because it was shooting so fast and that bullet was so hard and those, that animal so light skin, it you was mean just less, is penciling right through all? it. Yeah, very little blood. It was killing the animals, hitting them where sure. I wanted to hit them, but very poor blood trails. I went and switched back to pointed soft point 270 and, you know, immediately blood trails picked back up and it was doing more damage to the animal the kind of damage i was used to and, and that's just an example what works for one thing doesn't necessarily always work for the other but what i want to leave this with is i think that more and more and more people are interested in long range for them and that just means that we've all had it happen we're, we feel comfortable out to a certain distance and we see the animal that we want to take beyond that distance, or we take a shot further than we should have, or that we've practiced. And we either don't kill the animal because we miss them, or we don't, you know, we don't get a, a, a killing hit. And that's usually the inspiration that people have to want to start to extend their range. So Brian, yep. if somebody is interested in increasing their range hunting, starting to take longer shots than what they can can do right now where would you tell them to start is it with a shooting school is it with i mean if you were just had somebody from scratch where would you tell them to go and where would you tell them to start i think our sport our industry if you will we're so oftentimes we're so quick to eat one another we'll we'll eat our young so to speak and we have to be careful that we have to support each other and all of us. And, I, and I'm going to get on my soapbox for just a little bit, guys, if, if you allow me. 
because this is, I'm really, really passionate about this. What are we doing to help others and in introducing others to this sport? It's, it, it's like one guy says, or one person says, if there's 330 million people in this country, we don't have to, we're, we're never going to convince the antis that we're doing good and we're, we're the biggest cons, uh, conservators of the game animal. We just have to convince the people that aren't necessarily have an opinion. So it, bringing this back to the question of where would I start if I was trying to get into this, I would, I would start with somebody that, uh, that knows something and then help me increase my base of knowledge. And, and again, I'm going to go back to oftentimes I'll run into groups of people that um, pretend they're uh, rocket scientists. Well, a rocket scientist often only wants to talk to another rocket scientist. Well, let's meet people where they're at. Are you good out to 20 yards? All the time, I'll go to the range shooting my muzzleloader and I'll be shooting my muzzleloader at 200 yards and the guy next to me is shooting it at 25. Well, I don't want to go tell him that he's crazy because that, that muzzleloader has uh, the capability of shooting more than 25 yards. But I will be, uh, I, I try to be very open to him asking me, well, how are you doing that? Right. So we have to help each other. We have to look for opportunities to help each other. We have to uh, meet them where they're at. And then uh, if I'm looking to learn, I have to put my pride on the shelf or leave it at home and go ask somebody, how are you doing that? Can you help me? Uh, and then shooting schools, absolutely. Shooting schools, think of the of, of opportunities to attend a shooting school today compared to 20 years ago. Right. Were there even any shooting schools 20 years ago <laughs> that were, were non-military? I don't, I don't know. I mean. Exactly. Yeah, they're all over so, the place. So when you invest in yourself, when you learn to empower yourself, when you train, you teach yourself uh, how to learn um, that you know, we all have to start at point A and know what our goal is. Um, it, just the first step is the most difficult. So my encouragement to everybody is uh, uh, get out there and try yeah, Brian, that's a great point, you know, talking about having the right equipment for the job, picking up an Alabama 270 that I'm very confident shooting, you know, 100, 150 yards, you know, with a medium grain bullet, you know, you got to pay fast for a Ferrari, it's going to be a little bit more money, uh, it's going to be a little bit different of a ride and more of an experience. I was looking at you guys website earlier, and man, the just like anything, I mean, you can spend you know, $1,000 on a Kia, or you can spend $50,000 on a Ferrari just using round numbers. Um, so what are you getting whenever you step up from a short range rifle to a Ferrari, like you guys are talking about? What are you getting? What's the what's the gap? As our new owner, one of our new owners, Joe often says, he tells us this nearly every conversation we have, cost is irrelevant in the absence of value. So we preach, you get what you pay for. So with the best of the West uh, shooting system, let's let's break that down a little bit. The finest components are going into that that rifle, uh, and then it's the fitting of that of those components. So much time and care is spent in connecting part A to part B. For example, making sure the action and the barrel are completely trued up to each other. Because if that's not a harmonious uh, connection, action in, in the barrel, doesn't matter how often you practice, you're not gonna be accurate. And then bedding the action in a carbon fiber, a stiff carbon fiber, high quality carbon fiber stock. And then again, just insisting on uh, quality custom ammo or, or the equivalent from a, a manufacturer. And then on the, on the glass that sits on top, the Husqvarna optic, 
using German F2 shot glass, uh, high quality one piece tube. We'd bed the lenses and etch the reticle in those bedded lenses and use titanium spring. So if you're taking it up, you're taking it down, you have to have zero muscle memory in that spring. It's, you got to have confidence in your trackability. Um, but the real value in the uh, Husqvarna optic is the turret on top. It's the only, and this is a patented feature, it's the only turret that you can dial to both distance and windage uh, in one single turret. No electronics required, no internet connection required. So essentially you're arranging it, dialing it, wind it, and send it. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, Brian, man, that's, uh, I think it's a good start. It's a good, uh, good discussion for folks that are, are beginning out in this. And, uh, there's obviously tons of different information out there, uh, in terms of long range hunting calibers, bullets, optics, rifles. I mean, it is a whole thing in and of itself. Obviously you guys have a business that is completely built around it. So if you wanted to point people to those resources like you were talking about maybe it's finding a mentor maybe it's finding a shooting school maybe they've got more questions about gear and and just trying to get started uh wherever they are on the progression where would you point them to online or you know where can people go so the nssf national shooting sports foundation is a great resource the nra national rifle association is always a good resource your local gun shop asking the guy behind the counter. Good quality range. I, I would recommend everybody to check out their local ranges, and especially the ones where uh, there's a low annual fee versus no fee. And then if I give you a plug for my brands, bestofthewestarms.com, shooting school. We have shooting schools all summer long in Cody, Wyoming. So uh, you know, if I can poke fun at you guys a little bit, where would you rather be in July or August, Alabama or? I was, <laughs> I was just thinking that sounds like a field trip to me, Joe. Right. I, <laughs> I may need to go to like three shooting schools, one, one every month, the hurricane yep. season or something. So yep. yeah, man. Well, Brian, thanks a lot, man. Uh, like I said, Great we conversation. Kinda, yeah, we only hit the high points on this. Obviously you can go down, but I'm, I'm sure everybody is going to run out and grab a 300 Winchester short Magnum now that you've told them it is the <laughs> best long range caliber. So <laughs> Yeah, right, right. We appreciate you joining us, man. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Don't forget about our sponsors and make sure you support them when you're out in the marketplace. The Hunting Exchange. In this day and age, we all know it is a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms. And that's where The Hunting Exchange steps in. The Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel, stands, saddles, or anything in between, this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence. As a buyer, each dollar you spend is insured by PayPal. And as a seller, there are no hidden charges like other platforms, and listing items is also free. Gone are the days of having listings removed from Facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or knives. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. And also brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for the guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of the guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. 
Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, Academy Sports and Outdoors, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. Butch, I really like what Brian was saying about meeting people where they are and not beating each other up over this. Uh, I'm starting to see a lot of this in outdoor writing is this. Oh, just everywhere too on social media and all that. People just. People getting upset about how far you're shooting, right? What's long range to you may not be long range to me. And And that's okay. And that's all right, but it's okay. Let's just talk about it. And two, you know, what's cool about what, what they're doing with their long range shooting school is really, it's a long range hunting school. It's yeah, not long range shooting is totally different than long range hunting. If you want to be specific about it, when you add in adrenaline field positions, animals, moving animals, I mean, that's a huge outlier that is, it, it seems to get ignored in this conversation of long range shots mm-hmm. is, you know, the animal doesn't say still. <laughs> right. So when you start to add in all those variables, your every single time one of those things happens, your long range becomes shorter changing right yeah so dynamic situation yeah and being able to recognize when you should and shouldn't take shots being able to recognize those kind of things is huge and you are just not going to get there by going out in the field and just trying it you've got to get some instruction uh and you've got to put yourself in these environments where you're forced to to take these kind of shots and know confidently you can do it over and over and over again. Otherwise it is unethical to be out there taking those kind of shots and just, just flinging one out there uh, and hoping it's not the the way to go. No. And it doesn't do good things for hunters as conservationists. And it's just not, it's not, not who you want to be. The whole goal. It's not the whole goal. Not at all. So I I really like what Brian said about that. And, and also uh, we're in an awesome time right now with technology in weapons, in optics, in range finders, in oh, technology is nuts. It's really brought this to a whole different level. And then the schools, being able to go somewhere and learn from decades and decades and decades of people's experience so yeah. that you don't make the same mistakes they did. Cause you can go out there and try to figure this stuff out by yourself and you can go try to build a race car by yourself too. Probably going to yeah. blow some stuff up along the way. Though. I would think <laughs> so. Know? Well, man, it's the same kind of deal as talking about, you know, we always say people, I oh, mean, I'd love to learn the area, go with a fishing guide. How right. long is that going to cut your learning curve? I mean, right. years and years and years and decades, really. Yeah. Yeah. Time is money and not enough people focus on the fact that uh, the time it takes you to get up to speed is it is valuable. You may not have to spend cash, but, you know, when you work with a, with companies that uh, are doing this and have done it at scale with lots and lots of people, they're going to be able to see around corners for you. And without a doubt. Um, yeah. Cool stuff, man. Yep. Enjoyed it. We appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list. And wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic, that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time.
This week's Hunt Lamp Show is brought to you by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. And also Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full-service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. They now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. 